Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. Some of God's most beautiful miracles and greatest work is especially evident in the aftermath of our darkest and most painful experiences. After the dark days of the crucifixion of Jesus, light breaks forth in His resurrection. After hurt is healing, after brokenness is mending, after death is life. Through this series, we are learning to pay attention to how God is moving and growing our faith in and for the aftermath. Good morning, church. And good morning to everybody who's with us online. And it may not even be morning when you're watching this. You may be watching our rebroadcast every Sunday at 7 and Monday night at 7 as well. But we are grateful that we can have some sense of getting back to whatever normal is going to look like. Come on. But, it, yeah. All right, we're going to dive in. Uh, I'm not going to waste any time. Grab your Bible if you've got one or pull up your notes app on the Vintage app and go to that section there. And we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2 today. And I'm going to be honest, y'all. Um, i just, I, I got to preach another heavy message. I know it's been, I feel like throughout this season, every message has been just heavy. And I'll be honest, I'm tired of preaching heavy messages. It is, it's, it's just emotionally and spiritually draining. I want to talk about something fun. I want to talk about Skittles and rainbows and Lucky Charms. I want to preach, I want to preach fun and easy. But as a pastor, I don't get the luxury to just preach fun and easy. I have to preach heavy and necessary. And I have a responsibility to leverage this platform that God has given us to speak into your lives and to the lives of everybody that's going to watch this over the next few weeks and speak a word that I think our, our culture needs to hear. And, and you know that when I get most intense, it's not because I'm mad at you, it's because I'm preaching to me. Because if you think these messages are hard for you to hear, they're hard for me to hear why God's given them to me. Because there's some realities that I continue just to observe in our culture that I, that I continue to find disturbing. Because I think, y'all, I think the world is really confused right now. And I think it's because of us. Stay with me. I think the world is asking, how is it that all those people claim allegiance to the same God but seem to all be going in different directions? Now, 9 o'clock didn't talk to me. I need y'all to talk to me today, okay? It's confusing for the world to watch all these people who claim the name of Jesus, who call Jesus Lord with their mouths, yet so many of us seem to be moving in all these different directions. Like, how are we all able to claim we follow the same God, yet all walk in such opposing directions? And the world's looking at us with such confusion that we all claim to read the same book, be saved by the same person, but speaking such different principles. And you also know that 
a lot of people who don't know Jesus are not ignorant of Jesus. They even people who have yet to claim Jesus have read about him and studied his life. And they're confused by the Jesus they read about being so different than the Jesus they see about. The Jesus they read about in the Bible looks different than the Jesus they see about in the world reflected in our lives. And maybe if, if, if you're not on social media, you don't know what I'm talking about, you feel a lot less stressed than the rest of us. But maybe you aren't seeing all the things. Like how do these people who claim Jesus seem to reflect such different and opposing worldviews? And my heart's heavy again. And I'm wondering why that is. And I'm convinced because a lot of us have settled for reflecting some cultural version of Jesus instead of representing the biblical one. That there's this version of Jesus that some of us are representing that's rooted in this comfortable cultural Jesus that we've created. Our good Southern Christian Jesus. And I'm concerned that what we've done is we've, we've allowed ourselves to slip into this space and I'm watching it happen. And, and, and when that happens as well, they're also watching us because we have these opposing views of each other. We, we got people all claiming Jesus and putting claws in each other. Like we're not arguing with each other. We're attacking each other. And get it right, I'm not talking about like Christians versus the world or Christians versus other religions. I'm talking about Christians versus Christians. Christians versus Christians. That people, like, I can't do it anymore. And, and what's happening is there seems to be right now not just growing division in our world, but growing division within the body of Christ. I expect division in the world. Amen? That's just part of it. But the amount of division that seems to be growing amongst the body of Christ is really concerning to me. That there is this sense of divisiveness, this building up. And I don't, I, I kind of want to think it's because it's the season that we're in where this is elevating. We've been studying about the aftermath and learning about the aftermath. But even before the aftermath, we started talking about some things that we were learning about what are the byproducts of times of uncertainty. If you remember that, we started that back in the Courageous series. When I said in times of uncertainty, there's a greater need for community. But do you know what you can't have community if you don't have unity? There literally is no community without unity. You can't even spell community without unity. And there's this growing sense of division. It seems like in the aftermath of adversity, there's a greater threat to unity. In the aftermath of, of adversity, there's a greater threat to unity. 
I see it happening right now. And maybe it's because we are living in a time of abundance of opinion and a deficiency of fact. And so we're all trying to find our footing and trying to figure it out. But the thing is, we've dug our heels into our opinions and made it more about defending our opinion than really understanding what faith requires of us. And we began to turn truth into a club again. That we take truth and we just want to beat people with it. Can I tell you something? Y'all need to hear this. You need to write this down. You can get it tattooed on your forearm or your forehead if you need to. But just because you're right doesn't give you permission to be rude. Just because you're right doesn't give you permission to be rude. And it's like we've gotten to this place where we think right because we're on the side of truth. First of all, are you? Are you, are you really on the side of truth? How do you know? Because see, truth, you don't get to handpick it. You don't get to come up with it. Everything that's true has to align with what this word says. Filtered not through your experience, and all these other things, like tr I'm talking like real truth. And I'm watching people and hearing and listening. And sometimes I wonder how we're going to get this thing back on the rails. Because it seems like it's kind of coming off. And the reality is, the greatest threat to the movement of God is division among the people of God. The greatest threat to the movement of God is division among the people of God. So much so that in every letter Paul wrote, he wrote about fighting for, protecting, going after, spending energy, trying to maintain unity in the body. Because Paul knew that the greatest threat to God's church would never be external persecution, but yet internal division. That the greatest threat to the movement of the church would never be external persecution. It would always be internal division. And now, there's things that we, that we need to fight for. There are times we need to dig in our heels. When we're protecting people and, and valuing people and fighting for, like we need to, but even then we can't do it. In a, the point isn't to be right. The point is to see change. Sometimes we sacrifice effective for right. And I want to be effective because our world needs big time change. If you haven't seen that over the last several weeks, then you are asleep. And I'm watching the church find a way to justify excusing somebody else's pain. And I can't wrap my mind around that. And so I've been, I've been reading scripture because that's the only place I know to go. Sometimes you've got to turn off the news, delete Facebook, and pick up your Bible. And what you find when you read it, 
is God begins to show you stuff. Not about what's happening out there, but about what's happening in here. Because that's where it all begins. I, I, I've seen this meme going around. It starts, it starts here first in the picture of a house. But how will that house change until the hearts of the people in it shift? And I've been reading through Philippians a lot lately. And Paul, again, can I remind you, Paul, this church planner, this guy who, who started all these churches and watched them be born, in every letter, in, in Philippians especially, he writes about protecting unity. And remember, he writes this from a position of change. He's in prison when he writes Philippians. And Paul knew that, that unity in the church would be necessary, but he also know, knew that unity in the church would constantly be under attack. And the reason why is because the church, we don't like to admit this, and we don't like to just even think about this, but when the church was originally born, it was chocked full of diversity. It was full of diversity. Do you remember a few weeks ago when we looked at the day of Pentecost? When the church was born, there were people from all different countries and nations. That means the day the church was born, there were people of every color, every background, every economic status, every education level, every business, white collar, blue collar, no collar, like it was born in this diversity. And although they had so many things that could have separated them, they could have looked at each other based on all these different things. Even though they had so many things that were different, they knew they had the one thing that would unite them, the blood of Jesus. It was the great unifier. But wherever there's diversity, there's a threat to unity. Whenever there's diversity, we have to fight harder to protect unity. And unity does not erase diversity, it embraces it. And it fights through it. But where there's diversity, there's people coming with different backgrounds and different perspectives and different experiences. And that shapes you know, they say, I told you, that's what we're, we're two or three are gathered. There is an abundance of opinion. And you have to work hard at it. And see, Paul knew this. Do you remember last week, Acts chapter 16, when the church at Philippi is born, the church that Paul's writing to in this letter? Do you, we get the first few people that are born in that church. Lydia, this fashionista woman who was dealer in purple cloth, would have been very wealthy and, and, and traveled the world and had a lot of experience. She comes to Jesus and her family. Then you have this young girl who was demon-possessed that God cast out and used Paul to do it, and now she's a part of this fellowship. And then you have this jailer who was about to kill himself, but Paul comes in and leads him to Jesus and him and his whole family. You talk about a, a crazy core team. You got the jailer, the crazy girl, and Lydia. Like, just imagine the diversity that's happening in that. And I think that's why Paul writes this letter. It's because he saw the beauty of diversity, but he also knew they needed to protect unity. And you don't have to sacrifice one for the other. And what we've believed in the church is you have to. That the only way to preserve unity is to eliminate diversity. So you got to look like us and talk like us and dress like us. And if you don't, you're not one of us. Come on, somebody. It's what we've done. 
And Paul was saying, no, no, we, we're not trying to eliminate the beauty of diversity in the church because it's what makes us who we are. I've thought about this a lot throughout this, and, and I haven't done this because I don't have the patience for it, but if you've in quarantine done a jigsaw puzzle, those thousand piece, if you've ever put a thousand piece puzzle together, there's a special place for you in heaven <laughs> because you have a level of patience that I do not possess. But if you think about even a thousand piece puzzle, every piece is just a little bit different. Different sizes and edges and places. And even if you put 999 pieces together, if one is missing, the picture's incomplete. That's the way God designed humanity. That every piece isn't supposed to look the same. Every piece ain't supposed to be the same color. Every piece ain't supposed to look like all the others. But together, when we come together in unity, we form this beautiful picture that is humanity, God's prized possession. And right now, the pieces seem to be scattered. And the only way that we come together is to fight for unity. But unity's hard to achieve. But in Philippians chapter two, Paul talks, us about, talks to us about the reality and power of unity, but he also gives us the pathway to how we achieve it. Go to Philippians chapter two, verse one. And now I'm gonna read a lot of scripture. I'm gonna read over half this chapter, but I want you just to absorb the words of Paul because sometimes we preachers think we gotta talk too much and don't need, to, like we feel like we have an obligation to give commentary on all of scripture. But Philippians chapter two, pick up with verse one. Paul says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Paul says, if, if, if you think anything of me, if there's any love and compassion and decency and sincerity in you at all, come together be one, be united. Like the unity among the body is the key element to it being effective at accomplishing what God wants it to accomplish in this world. But he also knows that there are things standing in the way of our sustained unity. Look at verse three. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility... Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Can you imagine how different our world would be if we just lived that? Do nothing. Again, let me, let me go deep dive, biblical scholar here. Here's what nothing means. Nothing. Do nothing. In other words, Paul's saying you never have an excuse to operate out of pure, selfish ambition. You never have an excuse to allow it to be all about you. It says, but in humility, value others above yourselves. All the others, 
The Democrat others, the Republican others. The conservative others, the liberal others. The black others, the brown others, the white others, like all the others. The others whose opinions you love and the others whose opinions you'd rather not hear ever again. And you notice what it says? It doesn't say necessarily that you have to value everybody's opinion, but you have to value everybody as people. And when we stop looking at people just through their opinions and start seeing as people who Jesus bled and died for just like they did you, things will change. And then he comes with even heavier words. Verse 5, Philippians 2, verse 5. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Like the way that you approach every relationship, every relationship. doesn't say in your marriage relationship, in the relationship with your kids, in the relationships with just your, like in all of your relationships. You with me? Say amen. We don't get to parse this out, church. We don't get to act like Jesus in front of a certain group of people. In all your relationships, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus never leveraged what he could do over what he should do. Rather, verse 7, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And after being found in, in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, in light of all this, in light of all these commands, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Paul's saying continue to grow, continue to work it out, continue to realize that when you got saved, that was just the beginning, it wasn't the end. That just the knowledge of Jesus and the saving knowledge of Jesus is not where you're supposed to stop. That if you're going to achieve all these things that I'm asking you to achieve in order to preserve the unity necessary to make the body effective, you got to keep growing. If you're going without growing, you'll do more harm than good. Work it out. Verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Verse 14, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Maybe y'all didn't hear, I'll, I'll read it again. <laughs> do everything, again, Bible scholars, what does everything mean? Y'all some, y'all, y'all didn't even go to seminary, listen to y'all. <laughs> do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may be blameless and pure 
children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Paul's saying, listen, what I'm telling you is important. If you're going to be what God wants you to be in the world that needs you to be it, there's a way that we have to live, that we have to reflect Jesus in everything at all times. And look what he says, when that happens, then, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Then I will be able to boast on that day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. So you need to do this so that I can know that all the time and energy I've poured into building you as a church wasn't for nothing. Because if you let divisiveness take hold, if you let all these things that attempt to separate you separate you, you will not make the world the way Jesus said we were supposed to make the world. When Jesus said, you are salt and light. The church, the, the followers of Jesus are supposed to be salt and light. Do you know what that means? That means people who follow Jesus should make the world better and brighter. That's what salt does. That's why we, especially in the South, we douse it on everything. Like my dad. My dad ain't tasted his food yet. Already putting salt on it. Who does that? Yeah, see? I just already made Anyway. Salt and light. That as followers of Jesus, the fact that we're in the world should make it better and brighter. And can I just be honest? I don't always see that being the truth. That there's a lot of people, even me at times, that are living in such a way that are making it worse and darker instead of better and brighter. Because we get caught up in the emotion of stuff and we get frustrated. But this is what I know. If we're gonna have this unity that we're talking about, Paul gave us the pathway to it. Did you see it? That until there's humility, there will be no unity. This is the way God gave it to me this week. Until there is an abundance of humility, there will be an absence of unity. That there is no unity if there is no humility. That humility is the pathway to unity. You know why? Because unity requires compromise. Say amen, somebody. For there to be unity in your home, there has to be give and take. There has to be compromise. There is no, unity requires compromise and compromise requires humility. Because see, in pride, we dig in our heels. And we say, nope, I'm not moving, I'm not budging. And now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. There are some things that we stand on and we stand for that aren't immovable. But then it's not so much that you're standing, it's how you're standing. Sometimes humility is not giving up ground, it's standing in a way with grace. Y'all with me? That when there is an abundance of humility, there will be abundance of, un of unity. But until there is, unity will be absent. And see, what I'm seeing is we think because we're right, we can be arrogant. 
Because we're right, it doesn't matter how we stand. Number one, I would ask, are you sure you're right? Who's telling you you're right? All those people that you go that think like you do and you just want them to confirm you're right even though y'all all might be wrong? Or are you doing the things that you need to do to work out your salvation, to grow in your faith? Because here's another thing. Sincere humility will always be the byproduct of spiritual maturity. Otherwise, it's some other form. It can be fake humility. It can be an inappropriate humility. Because see, without spiritual maturity and immaturity, we don't know when to stand and we don't know where to stand. Because oftentimes immaturity leads to insecurity and we can just be blown around all over the place. So if we're ever going to have sustained unity, it will come through sincere humility that comes from spiritual maturity. And when that happens, the church will begin to embrace its diversity, work towards unity, and shine like the star that we're called to be. The world needs us to be better and brighter. And we're not just better together, we're brighter together when we are actually together. So can I, can I ask you to ask yourself what I've been asking me this week? Am I really living a life of sincere humility that's protecting the unity that we need? Do I let myself in pride or in emotion react more in ways that are divisive than unifying? Am I being rude while I'm being right? Is what we need more important than what I want? And see, it's really easy to hear this message and all you're thinking about is, I can't wait till this post because there's 17 Facebook friends that need to hear this. Most often, the message you want to send to somebody else is the one you most need to hear. So would you just take a second and bow your head, close your eyes. And before we exit this room, before you turn off watching us online, take some time for some internal investigation to ask yourself some hard questions. Am I making the world better and brighter with everything I say, with what I do, with what I post? with how I interact with people in my circle of influence. The greatest threat to the movement of God is division among the people of God. It, what's going to derail God's church more than anything is not external persecution. It is internal division. And we all have to fight to protect the unity that's necessary for God to use us in this world like he desires. So God, I pray right now in this time, in this moment, we will lean in and we will pray and we will seek and we will investigate and we will do everything that we can to be honest with you and with ourselves because we want to be a part of the solution and not part of the problem. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope that what you experience today inspires you to live and love like Jesus. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage and grow deeper in your faith by downloading the Vintage Church app. Through this app, you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, additional podcasts, and discover ways to connect in community. You can easily download our app by going to app.vintagechurch.net. We hope you join us again soon.